This podcast is brought to you by Nasso, a contemporary fashion brand that creates minimalist Africa-inspired clothing and invests in the future of Africa. Find out more at shopnasso.com and follow Nasso on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at shopnasso. I'm your host, Uya Morgbe, and welcome to the Native Podcast. The issues around education inequity or inequality and the challenges that face education there's so it's so systematic it's so interrelated it's a bit thorough and thoughtful mm-hmm. in how we're thinking about what the curriculum should look like our guest today is Folawe Obikunle CEO of the nonprofit Teach for Nigeria in this episode we'll be talking about the education crisis facing Nigeria we'll be discussing what steps need to be taken to improve the educational landscape of the country the mission of Teach for Nigeria? Teach for Nigeria is really an organization that is working towards developing a critical mass, a movement of leaders who are changing and transforming education across Nigeria. And um, we do this through a unique way where we recruit promising leaders and fresh graduates, young professionals, and we put them through a two-year training for them to teach first for two years as full-time teachers. But then the goal is really to unleash and develop their leadership for them to transform the larger education ecosystem. Mm. That's incredible. That's incredible. So, mm. so I have a few stats I'm going to read off, and I'm sure you're very aware of these stats, but it's for people who are watching, right? So mm-hmm. in sub-Saharan Africa, there's 30 million kids of primary school age that mm-hmm. aren't attending school, right? All over the world, 36 million uneducated girls, and of that 36 million, one six of them are Nigerian, right? And mm-hmm. as the population starts to grow, we're starting to see that, you know, this could, that number is only gonna start to grow as well. And we're actually mm-hmm. in a very, very bad place, right? It's, gonna, it's actually the brink of an educational crisis, right? We're not in one already. So, mm-hmm. you know, where do you think investment is needed most um, in Nigeria in the education space? Is it, you know, lack of facilities, lack of teachers, mismanagement mm-hmm. of resources? Where do you think investment is needed the most? So to be honest, I think investment is needed across board. And the reason why I say this is because so there is there's a there's a there's sort of like a there's a thinking that drives why Teach for Nigeria operates the way that it does. And it's recognizing mm-hmm. the fact that the issues around education inequity or inequality and the challenges that face education, there's so it's so systematic, it's so interrelated, it's so and now I'll share examples. I mean, for example, when we think of learning outcomes, when we think of the poor learning outcomes, you can go as far back as looking at the teacher quality. But the teacher quality itself is not just in how we're training teachers, right? But it's also how we're recruiting the teachers, how the, we're motivating the teachers, right? You look at the policies in place. You look at the curriculum that is dated and not really supporting for teachers to be able to facilitate learning. You look at the infrastructure in place. You know, it's not conducive enough for the children to be able to enjoy learning and really engage in the school. You look at leadership. You know, we don't really have anything you know, I'm focusing on investing in selecting the school leaders and the school principals who are heading the schools. You look at the policies, you look at funding, and we, mm-hmm. we're in a country where between six to seven percent um, of our national budget is what goes towards education. And so, and you have UNESCO, you know, proposing that every country goes, you know, between not less than 20, not less than 26 percent. So when you look mm-hmm. at the, the whole ecosystem, 
it's not about what should be, you know, what should we prioritize in terms of like investment, mm. but rather it should be how do we ensure that we can get the system to work holistically, to work together in such a way that every, for every sector, every piece of this thing that I've mentioned, you know, is thriving and working together for us to really be able to achieve success. So I would say that we really need to think it's, you know, infrastructure now, for example, we're in COVID, you know, people are talking about data, lack of um, devices um, and, mm -hmm. and across communities to be able to continue teaching and, and learning across communities. People are talking about the, you know, just the lack of capacity and skills um, that our teachers have to be able to continue engaging their pupils. We are talking mm -hmm. about real issues around even power. You know, the communities mm -hmm. don't even have power to be able to plug in, whether it's computers or telephones or even radios and television, you know, so it's, it's the whole system that really mm. needs to change if we want to educate our, our children um, for the future. Yeah, that's great. I 100% I agree with you on every point that you made there. Um, and another point that I wanted to make, because, you know, my company, Nasso, uh, we build schools in rural villages across Africa, right? And the first school that actually uh, we built was in the village that my father grew up in, the village of Orokasa in Edo State. And mm -hmm. I remember going there for the first time. It's a very rural village. And I saw the state of the of dilapidation of the school. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's not only how, and you mentioned this, you know, with the teachers as well, like it's not only how, you know, these students are feeling, but how these teachers are feeling, right? They have to be motivated to go to school and they're going to a place where they have no desks, they have no chairs, right? No bathrooms, you know, the majority of the staff are women and they have to go to the bush to go use the bathroom, right? So all these different types of challenges that they're facing. So I agree with you that there's an intersectionality of a lot of these different things that are, um, that are causing this overwhelming problems so how do we change it systemically so i do i really do agree with you um on that so are you guys seeing that as well too in terms of uh like the most inequity is that in the more rural areas or is it just pretty uniform across uh, regardless of geographical uh, location of the city? Oh, sorry i didn't hear that i didn't hear your, no, no your last saying, sentence yeah okay i'm saying um are you guys seeing that uh, this inequity is present only in rural areas or is it regardless of geographical location of the schools? So it's it's regardless, Uye. This cuts across, whether it's mm. urban, whether it's suburban, whether it's rural community, it cuts across. Um, and it's also just from the lack of investment, the lack of funding to, you know, to really mm. prioritize, you know, setting up schools, renovating schools. You have some school buildings that haven't been touched in over mm -hmm. two decades, you know, and so yeah. what do you expect of such schools? I think you go to other schools, you know, in the same community, you see a next, you know, a school next door, which is a private school, you know, with an excellent building. And then you see just a public school right next to it, you know, that hasn't been paid attention to for years. And so mm -hmm. it doesn't really, I mean, it's much worse in rural communities, you know, mm -hmm. but even in the urban communities, we're seeing this and we're seeing mm -hmm. lack of furniture, we're seeing you know, broken windows, lack of windows and doors, like this cuts across. Yeah. But definitely yeah. it's much worse in the rural communities. Definitely, I, and, and I agree. Um, so for you guys, what has been the biggest obstacle in trying to tackle um, education in this space? Like what is, what are the roadblocks you guys are running into and what methods are you guys taking to kind of address the problem? I know you're saying like you're, you're bringing these young, which is a fantastic idea, I believe. I think the youth is able to mobilize, you know, younger, younger crowds. So mm -hmm. yeah, what, what approaches are you taking and what problems are you guys running into as you're trying to tackle this problem? So maybe just to mention, you know, cause we, we've talked about infrastructure and I, you know, I think mm -hmm. we've talked about that because really that's what NASO does. But then, mm -hmm. you know, the inequity cuts beyond, it's, it's beyond just the infrastructure. 
we mm. have issues where for example you you have communities where the girl child you know is not having the same access to to education like the boy child you have mm -hmm. communities where for example the children the students don't have access to learning aids and the teachers don't have access to teaching aids you know so mm -hmm. we, it cuts across different areas and to your point around the obstacle i think that's what we recognize that if we're going to address all the inequities you know that that exist in the education system we'll be overwhelmed but yeah. we need as many people so literally we're trying to create a movement of people who are addressing this different inequities mm. as they identify it and who commit their lives to it literally like yeah. doing it for the rest of their lives and just to give mm. you an example so teach for nigeria launched in 2017 and mm. we started our, our program our program officially in 2017 and we started with 44 fellows and these individuals went out into schools across Ogun state and in lagos state teaching in public primary schools for two mm. years as full-time teachers and after that experience, and maybe just to share a few examples, there's a lady and, and, another, and another gentleman, um, Bosede and Dean, and both of them saw that in the schools, while they were teaching, that there was a pattern where girls were missing out on school. That there was a mm -hmm. pattern when, when girls come to school and then they, you know, they, they will sit in the back of the, of, the, of, the, of the classroom at some, and they would be withdrawn. And so mm -hmm. they started to dig in and they were asking questions and they realized that Actually, these girls were missing classes because when they're on their menstrual period, they're not able to come to school because they don't have access to menstrual um, sanitary yeah. towels and, and, and the likes. And also, mm. the, some of the schools don't have proper sanitary to ensure mm. that the, the girls are able to change and what have you. And so what mm. they did after their fellowship program was to set up an initiative called, um, it's, it's, it's something around menstrual, I don't remember the name now, but mm -hmm. it started an initiative basically looking at the girl child, but looking at menstrual poverty. Like mm -hmm. how can we get more girls, you know, to have access to sanitary pads? And how can we also get them to have the knowledge of what is mm -hmm. happening with their body developmentally, mm -hmm. you know? And so now they're, they're in schools across Ogun State and in Kaduna State where they've, um, they've um, provided sanitary banks. And mm -hmm. the girls now have access to, 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 to that and they're able to go to school and they're able to reach out to their teacher to say, you know, I'm on my period and I'd like to have a um, sanitary towel. Another mm -hmm. example um, was another man um, called um, Bab Oba. And Oba, together with another um, fellow who, um, who also went through the program, he mm -hmm. saw the gap in digital literacy and he saw that all of the students and the children who lived in the communities where he was teaching didn't mm -hmm. have access and didn't have knowledge you know um digital literacy and they weren't digital literate and so what he decided to do was to set up um an initiative called mentor an african child initiative and this looked at providing you know robotics training coding training digital mm -hmm. literacy skills really to the students and it's to say how do we ensure that we bridge the gap you know, amongst the students who are in underserved schools and the ones who, are in who come from privileged background. Um, and I, I know that also one of the things that drives them is the fact that whether you come from a poor background or not should not determine where you'll end up in life, should not determine your exactly. life and educational opportunities, right? And when you think about the, another group maybe to share, it's called Edu Sot. That's another fellow who is now looking at teacher training and is looking mm -hmm. at in-service training for teachers. So imagine mm -hmm. what could happen to the ecosystem. Imagine how overwhelmed the ecosystem could be with all of these solutions and innovation if we could get 
thousands of young exactly. Nigerians and promising leaders who are all working, you know, across the different inequities, across different sectors, and just leading these innovations. And that's like what we're working towards. Yeah, you know, I, I love that you're saying that. It's one of the points that I wanted to bring up because, you know, I mean, as a Nigerian who lives in the diaspora, I and mean, I was born in the United States and I grew up here and I had to go back to Nigeria to sort of see what was happening to be, you know, inspired to want to do something and change the educational um, opportunities that were offered in the, in the country, right? And the more I speak to people about, you know, the inequities that are happening in Nigeria, mm. I'm finding that a lot of people are, you know, actually want to do something, right? They want to help, but most mm. people actually don't have, they don't know how to help, if that makes sense, mm. right? So they're like, okay, I want to do this. Oh, I love what you're doing. I want to be a part of it, right? Like just um, my past, my past two guests on the show, one was a NFL um, player, a professional athlete, the other one was a professional musician, or um, a, yeah, musician. And both of them are saying, no, I would love to go back and do these things. And, and these are people that have big voices, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I see a lot of people who are mm -hmm. like-minded, right? They all want to see mm -hmm. Nigeria um, be a successful country, right? They want to see the prosperity of their people. Mm -hmm. But how do we sort of move in concerted action in a way that actually, mm -hmm. you know, leverages that and creates, as you said, a movement that has mm -hmm. a you know, a bunch of people going back and doing these initiatives and working in tandem, therefore mm -hmm. amplifying impact, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are, you know, are seeing this type of thing and thinking to themselves, what can I do? But they don't really, really know how to, right? And that's why I, that's one of the main reasons why I founded Nasso, because fashion, mm -hmm. I find that fashion is a very good way to connect with individuals, right? And mm -hmm. it can serve as a vehicle of empowerment. So people who don't know, maybe they don't know how to get to Nigeria, right? They can still participate mm -hmm. by purchasing our products and being involved mm -hmm. in it and being emotionally invested and telling mm -hmm. their friends about it, right? And that's mm -hmm. how you start having this movement. And the more people that we're finding, like of people with big voices who are of Nigerian descent mm -hmm. who wanna do this, when they start getting invested in it and they start going back to Nigeria, cause they're seeking mm -hmm. these experiences, they're seeking, you know, mm -hmm. they wanna make an impact, they wanna make a change. Mm -hmm. So if we give mm -hmm. them the ability to do that, then all mm -hmm. of a sudden, you know, we have, 300 people working on something in one day. And then after this, there's 3 million people that are working towards mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Nigeria is one of those, one of those countries that I believe should be one of the biggest and best countries in the world, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And the only mm -hmm. thing that's holding ourselves back is mm -hmm. us, right? So Absolutely. it's just like, how do we, how do we, you know, like I said, work in tandem, because through concerted mm -hmm. action, mm -hmm. we, could, we could do incredible things and um, really shape the future of Africa. And Nigeria needs to be like the, the the leader in, the, in doing that. That's the only way we're going to advance this nation. And Uye, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the interest because I see also that there is appetite for change and a lot of people <laughs> want to contribute. But one of the things that I've learned is just the lack of sort of synergy. It's the lack of, it's, it's the lack of partnership and sort of like working <laughs> with community. So for example, I know a lady who had moved from the UK to Nigeria and she was big on IT and STEM. And so she went and, and, and partnered with this public school, not really partnered, but just went, approached them and said, I would like to set up a computer lab. And she set mm -hmm. up a computer and then she, and then she went there to sort of assess what was happening. Months after she got there, nothing had happened. Like the computers were covered in cobwebs. Nobody had touched them. Mm -hmm. Nothing had happened. And so it's this idea that, yes, sometimes I think, you know, a lot of people come from the outside first thinking this is what they need. 
The truth might mm -hmm. be they really haven't fully understand and grasp what the need is. And I think exactly. it's important to work based on that need. It could be that what they needed at that point was maybe training. Because one of the things mm -hmm. the head teacher said to her was, how am I supposed to operate the computers or leave it open to the kids if I don't have exactly. a technician or if I don't have an IT teacher who is able to take the children through you know, the, the use of the computers. And so mm -hmm. I think it's important that happens. I think also one of the things, and I use this from my um, journey with working at Teach for Nigeria, um, mm -hmm. Ogun State um, is one of our most um, sort of supportive um, partners in, in, in the country. And when mm -hmm. I think about that journey, it came through another NGO that was already doing work in the state. And mm -hmm. that NGO was sort of able to map, you know, the different stakeholders, the influencers, the sort of conversations we should be having. And so we're able to get that knowledge to even engage with them in the first place. So mm -hmm. I think what is important is to map out like who is already working in this space. What are mm -hmm. they doing? What are the needs? What are the opportunities? And I think that's one of the things that I'm constantly saying to Nigerians in diaspora. Like, yes, you know, it will be fascinating to refurbish schools and to set up computer labs and to mm -hmm. do the stuff. But I think it's important that we're doing this from a place of what the community needs and what the needs. schools need. And to have those conversations before we then start to, you know, put our energy into it. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. I think, I think unguided aid is, is something that happens a lot, right? People that say, okay, I want to do something. And sometimes they're not a, even creating the impact that they're intending to, right? Or, or sometimes even has negative effects. It's like people that, that donate shirts to kids in or communities in Africa. And meanwhile, you know, kids are getting these free shirts and the local person that's selling shirts is, is now being damaged from it, right? So I do agree with you 100% that, you know, we have to go into these communities and work in tandem with the individuals that are actually in these communities, have those conversations and think, okay, it's not just about giving you stuff just for the sake of giving you stuff, but what do we, how do we, you know, provide aid and how do we, um, you know, provide impact in a way that actually really benefits the community that you're trying to serve, right? I do, I do agree with you there. I think sometimes people get lost in just the idea of philanthropy or lost, just, they just want to do good, so they just do something mm -hmm. without actually thinking about what are the, um, what are the outcomes, right? What are the yeah. solid outcomes that yeah. you can reap from that? Mm -hmm. And I think it's also, I mean, the excitement, you know, and people mm -hmm. genuinely want to do good. People are altruistic, you know, but, mm -hmm. you know, I think sometimes it's just important to really understand and also even the follow-up because sometimes, mm -hmm. yes, that might be their need. You know, you could go and set up a borehole, but there could be other issues, right? You know, beyond that borehole. I just think it's important that we spend time in really understanding what is needed within communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think that's something that I realized myself too. You know, after we after we um, built our first school, mm -hmm. we refurbished that school. I remember thinking to myself, you know, the school was great because it gave the kids were able to go to go to the bathroom now she's able mm -hmm. to go to the bathroom teacher absenteeism drops right so all those there's all these different outcomes that were happening but now i'm thinking you know i sat into one of the classes and i'm thinking to myself wow you know it would be great if we had people come here and actually tr retrain these teachers because some of their teaching methods weren't really efficient so i'm thinking to myself even though we did make this improvement here there's so much more work that needs to be done aside from just you know giving them a new a new school so that's why i wanted to reach out to you know like you guys that teach for nigeria i'm thinking to myself okay you know, they're already doing stuff like we we're providing facilities, but like, how can we take that a step further? Like, how do we you know they're providing these fellows and they're doing teacher training? Like, how do we work in tandem? So next time we build a school in a community that needs it, now we have something that can come in and be like, OK, let's train, let's train the teachers. Let's do this and kind of work in a collaborative way. Right. 
Nassau, imagine Nassau. So this is, imagine a situation where, so currently Teach for Nigeria is in 92 schools. I can tell you for free that more than 90% of our schools would benefit from the support that Nassau gives to schools. And mm -hmm. so imagine with the quality of fellows we already have in our school, with having the fellows in the school, imagine the culture that is now being, you know, um, built across the mm -hmm. school. So more teachers are, you know, interested in professional development. The head teachers are, you know, getting excited, seeing what is happening with impact. And then we have a Nassau that is coming to see the schools and thinking, okay, how can we provide support in renovating the schools here or maybe mm -hmm. building extra classrooms? Just imagine how much transformation that could bring. Mm -hmm. To just that one school and potentially that community and so yeah. it's saying yes you're still building schools you're still supporting buildings and doing infrastructure but you're doing it in partnership in such a way that you're seeing the impact of your work directly exactly. on the student you know with other groups who are working directly on ensuring there is leadership in the school and the leadership is functioning and the teachers are teaching and they're being monitored and supported like just imagine what that could be and if everyone yeah. could work together in that way where maybe somebody else is working on ensuring the school has access to water. Another person yeah. is ensuring that the school has access to healthcare. Another person mm -hmm. is ensuring that the children have nutrition. I mean, just imagine how much transformation that could bring. Yeah, it's, it's incredible to think. And, and that's, what, that's the one thing that really baffles me, right? I mean, I just graduated college two years ago, or last year, not even two years ago, it hasn't been a year yet. So last mm -hmm. year, and I remember thinking to myself, once I started, um, started NASO and started getting into this, um, this space, I'm thinking to myself, there's no reason why all these things can't happen. There's literally no reason why these things can happen. It's about having the conversation and just getting the ball rolling. And after taking action, then they, they slowly start to happen, right? And, and I think that there's a tremendous opportunity to, to start a, a huge, huge movement about this, right? Addressing the education educational crisis in Nigeria, because as you said, there is a huge appetite for it. African culture is starting to permeate into the Western world faster than we've ever seen now. You're seeing it with Afrobeats music coming, like wherever you go in the United States, you're hearing Afrobeats music, right? So Africa mm -hmm. is being reshaped and, and uh, rebranded in a way that's actually very appealing to people now, right? So now if we can tie that culture movement into this educational one, then all of a sudden now we have millions of people saying, oh, you know, I would love to be a part of this. I'd love to be part of Teach for Nigeria. I tell you what, there's kids that are coming out of college that are seeking opportunities like Teach for Nigeria. Oh, mm -hmm. I would love to go to Teach for Nigeria and, mm -hmm. and uh, be in this in this program for two years and, and give back to my community in that way, right? And it doesn't mm -hmm. stop there. So, um, yeah, I think there's a huge, huge, and I'm, I'm so glad that you're saying this because there's a huge opportunity for collaboration. And it's Absolutely. only through that collaboration that the impact can be amplified and truly um, last for a long time. So mm -hmm. I I, uh, I do agree with you that with that there. Mm -hmm. um, another question I did have though, and this is the last question mm -hmm. I did have, um, was you know we, we mentioned COVID nineteen earlier in the um, early in the call. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know you know how do you think the educational landscape is going to change because of COVID nineteen? I mean, I think a lot of people are, are understanding that there's there's weaknesses within their individual countries once they're saying, oh, wow, you know what, like, now that we, we have to learn remotely, we're not prepared for this, we're not prepared for this, right? It's highlighting some weaknesses. What do you think that's uh, been doing in the Nigerian educational uh, landscape? So I think that the education system is definitely going to change dramatically. I think everything really is going to be impacted, right? And I think education is one of it. And so one of the things that, what I think is that this is our new normal. I think mm -hmm. that we are at a point where we need to 
sort of embrace this, that this is what we're going to, this is our new reality. But mm. I worry, right, that, you know, there's a, there's a group, there are a group of people and leaders who really think that this is just, a, this is a stopgap and we would return to school mm. and return to normal. Now, to your point that we were, were unprepared for this, I mean, several countries, everyone in, this, in the world was mm -hmm. unprepared and was mm -hmm. unprepared for COVID-19. But I think that we have an opportunity here to transform, to reimagine our education. I think we mm -hmm. have an opportunity here to ask ourselves, for what purpose are we educating our children? What mm -hmm. really is the purpose of educating the Nigerian child? And define that, define the outcomes for ourselves. And again, this is where leadership comes in. Mm -hmm. The examples that we're seeing of states who are taking this on, who are adapting, who are innovating and improvising around COVID-19, the, the common thing that they all have is leadership. So we're mm -hmm. seeing exemplary um, um, innovations from Lagos State and we're seeing in Ogun State. But the reason why these guys are getting up and doing things is because of the leadership. You either have a sound commissioner who is on board or you have a governor who is just really um, invested in education. So the examples mm -hmm. of leveraging technology through using, whether it's using radio or using television or ensuring that children have access to devices, you know, to, to practice their, um, their preparing for examination. Like the reason why all of this is happening is because of leadership. So I think mm -hmm. that we first need to accept that this is a new normal. I think then we also need to invest in infrastructure. And it's infrastructure mm -hmm. in the sense that there are communities across, you know, Nigeria that still don't have access to data. They don't have access to mm -hmm. connectivity. There's a community that I know of where the individual who's, who lives in that community literally has to hang his phone on a tree for him to have data, like to have this sorry, network yeah. on it and to be able to receive mm -hmm. SMS on it, right? And so mm -hmm. if we're going to leverage technology and if we're going to leverage whether digital um, and devices to, be, to ensure that children continue to learn, we're going to mm -hmm. have to invest in ensuring there's access to data, you know, there's mm -hmm. broadband services, there's the devices, or there's electricity, you know, to ensure mm -hmm. that this is happening. And this is why I said, I think the best thing for us to do, and I'm thinking about our current reality, I'm thinking about mm -hmm. the fact that I know that, you know, government is potentially not going to increase the budget for education. So mm -hmm. looking at all of this reality, our best bet will be to invest in teachers. Like, how do mm -hmm. we invest in the frontliners? They're already mm -hmm. there. How do we upskill and retool them? And I say this because I'm seeing the examples of innovations that some teachers are coming up with in this pandemic. We have teachers even on our program who are now putting together work packs, you know, and mm -hmm. they're sending it to kids weekly and they're calling parents and they're translating to local languages so that parents can follow, you know, the lessons and teaching with their children. And yeah. so imagine if every single teacher in Nigeria you know, who had access to their students, who is able to connect, is doing something to ensure their children continue to learn, whether during COVID or post-COVID. And so I think we have an opportunity here, just given the fact that we don't have that much money, for government to invest in teacher training. But I think there's also an opportunity here for private sector to come on board, you know, for them to really look at how do we, you know, provide data to teachers or to communities? How do we provide solar farms? You know, how do we get creative with ensuring that maybe spaces, churches, you know, mosques could be leveraged and community could be leveraged in, in, in working together to ensure our children are learning. How do we bring mm -hmm. parents even in? Because right now we're seeing how education is, is transforming and changing. And we're mm -hmm. seeing that parents are playing even a much more bigger role, you know, mm -hmm. than teachers or guardians, you know, or than anyone else. 
So what support are we equally providing to parents to continue mm -hmm. to ensure that they're able to, you know, to support their children and they're able to facilitate learning at home? So it's all of these things. And, you know, how are we also investing in, in really thinking about curriculum? I think that curriculum is so important. It's like that yeah. vision. Like, what is our vision for the Nigerian child? Are we training the Nigerian child for, you know, I don't know what, like, I think about the resources we have. I think about our, our geographical positioning, you know, and all of the neighboring states that we have. And I'm thinking, okay, so if we said that we wanted Nigerian children to have access to, you know, having um, skills with like agriculture or speaking a second language because we're positioned this way. I just feel mm -hmm. like it, we still need to do a bit. We need to be thorough and thoughtful mm -hmm. in how we're thinking about what the curriculum should look like. And the curriculum should, should also be done in such a way that it can be adapted to mm -hmm. different communities. You know, it can mm -hmm. be adapted to different regions. And that, I think that's where we are. Education can no longer be centralized as it's yeah. always been. There needs mm -hmm. to be some decentralization yeah. so that really we can yeah. adapt and contextualize it to our different environments and to our different regions. Yeah, and that's, that's extremely, reality. Yeah, and I think that's extremely important, especially in a country like Nigeria that's so diverse, right? Um, yeah, being able to kind of personalize that to each individual community would be extremely, extremely um, important. Um, yeah, so listen, thank you so much for that. I'm not sure if there's any other topics you would like to speak about. I think we covered a lot. That was fantastic. And listen, I really do want to speak with you, um, Apricol, further about this, though, about, you know, how do we really, because I think there's a, there is a huge opportunity to start a movement here, like a huge opportunity. Work needs to be done, and there are people who are willing to do it. It's just thinking about how do we mobilize them, right? How do we mobilize them in a, in a way that's efficient and in a way that creates the most impact? So, like, thinking about that and having those types of conversations, I mean, it's, it's most certainly possible, and I think that is inevitable. It's just about how do we get the ball rolling and how do we mobilize people in the correct way. Um, yeah. So, yes, I would love to continue the conversation with you afterwards and think about how NASO and Teach for Nigeria uh, can partner with each other moving forward. Um, so, hold on, one more second. Let me ask, yeah. for anybody who's watching, do you have any questions? If you want to um, write a question below, you can. Uh, we'll open it up for, like, two minutes um, here to answer any questions from the viewers. But... Um, so you, Uye, to your point, I really think that is the only way. Like right now, I think that's the only way for us. Mm -hmm. um, there's one of our fellows, her name is Precious. And she mm -hmm. recently started this home, like she was, she's teaching from her home, recording lessons, and she engaged, you know, her community, her network to raise funds to ensure that she was able to purchase devices for her students, for all of her students. And she preloaded it with lessons, right? So it's like, how she wouldn't have been able to achieve that without the network, without the people, you know, who are supporting her because they recognize the needs that her students need to continue learning. So to your point, I think there's such huge opportunity for everyone to contribute and, and, and play their different roles according to their interests and their motivation. Mm -hmm. And to your point, to you, you know, Nassau does the infrastructure, you renovate schools. Imagine if all the 92 schools were currently in you know, are refurbished or we had yeah. furniture yeah. across all the schools. You know, we built toilets across all the schools. We built mm. boreholes across. Like, imagine how much value and how much impact and transformation mm. that could bring. Um, so, I, I, you know, I'd be more than happy to take this further with you. That is amazing. That is awesome. Thank you so much. And I'm very, very, very excited to uh, get the ball rolling here and just to keep talking about, you know, how do we keep moving this? Because, like I said, 
and I'll say it again, um, there are people with very, very big voices who are of Nigerian descent that live in the United States. I mean, you see these, these actors, these, these musicians, these athletes who all are looking for something they want to make a difference. They want to make a change. And they have the ability through you know, social media, the amount of reach that you have today, they have the ability within a week or two to mobilize hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. <laughs> right? It's incredible. It's an incredible thing. So um, like I said, and like what your fellows are already doing, how do we have people on the ground that are innovating and are able to leverage that sort of interest and, and implement it in these communities in a way that's you know, incredibly powerful. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think another thing when I, you know, so my, for me, it's like, how do we even amplify the work that the alumni and fellows are already doing? And mm -hmm. they have, and you know, there's nothing better than people who have lived the experience, who fully understand the issues, who mm -hmm. have lived, I mean, living it, living in the community, teaching there every day. And then they mm -hmm. started initiatives based, informed by the experience. And exactly. so we can also work with how do we invest in those initiatives that already exist? Because some mm -hmm. of them are doing things across, you know, different areas already. And then how do we engage the, the, the Nigerians in diaspora to plug in and support mm -hmm. them so that we can amplify their efforts since they're already yeah. commi com com um, committed to the communities and they're already connected to the communities as well. Mm -hmm. 100%, yeah, I, I agree. That concludes the second episode of the Native Podcast. We hope you were inspired and learned a lot from our conversation with Falale. Join us next time as we speak with Nigerian-American NBA player Chemezi Metu about his Nigerian heritage, his journey to the NBA, and his experience playing with Team Nigeria. To learn more about the Native Podcast, follow Naso on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Shop Naso. We'll see you next time.